Well, our moms think we're funny. Hey everyone, this is Turk182. And I'm Akomi. Ah, hey Akomi, what's going on? Uh, we just watched a really great movie. Yes, we did. Um, it's a movie that I've referenced lots of times, especially recently. And, uh, and I figured <laughs> it was about time that I actually sat you down and, uh, and made you watch it. And it's funny because, uh, there's so many movies that we, that, like, I want to show you that, or that you even want to see. Mm-hmm. And it's always a matter of, you know, it's like finding the time when we go to, when we get together, do recording, finding the time to, to fit one in. There's a lot of times we were like, okay, we're going to do this next. And then next, you know, it's like, it's too late. And it's like, oh, well, yep. we don't yep. have time. I mean, we've been talking, what, for over a year now about Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're going to watch it this weekend, but it's still, we, <laughs> Probably not. we got, I mean, I love Boogie Nights. It's got a great cast and there's that, that's, oh I, man. That's, I think we've been talking about Rollerball for like two years. Oh yeah. Oh God. I, I, seen Rollerball I want to show too. everybody I meet Rollerball. I don't, even, I don't care if it's like, if somebody bumps me in a store, I'm like asshole and they're like, fuck you. And I'm like, I want you to see Rollerball. I mean, <laughs> it's like, I don't like you. I don't like you either, but I still want you to see it. <laughs> You're like the Jehovah's Witness of Rollerball. <laughs> Have you heard about the game? <laughs> it's never supposed to be a game. You have a moment to talk about rollerball. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so tonight we saw Tombstone. Yes, finally got a chance to see Tombstone. Such a beautiful movie. There's uh, so many things that I could say and we could talk about Tombstone that mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, that other people have said and talked about uh, or, you know, but uh, I haven't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, who needs their opinion? Ours is what matters. Right, because it's our podcast. I mean, exactly. You know, if we were on their podcast, then it would still be our opinion because we're on their <laughs> podcast. That's what they had us on there for. I'd be like, you know, if you didn't want my opinion, you shouldn't invite me on here. <laughs> and so it's like, is it, if anyone objects, these two people getting married, they're right here. Right? <laughs> you asked, I'm saying. <laughs> but, yeah, Tombstone is an absolutely beautiful movie. and yep, Phenomenal. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Of course, you know, it's always risky when you show somebody a movie, even if it's one that most people say is a great movie, is always that chance if someone's going to be like, no, nah. mm-hmm. no, nah, I don't get it. You know, I, I told you that that one friend of mine, when I showed him old boy, he didn't like it. Yeah. And it's like, how, how the hell do you not like old boy? Yeah. Like, I, I, <laughs> I told you that recently, you know, I've been, uh, which I mentioned before on the podcast that I've been convincing my mom to finally see certain movies and, uh, you know, got her to see Sansa Lambs. Now I got her to watch even small things that aren't really that big, like, uh, Night of the Creeps. Mm-hmm. We watched Night of the Creeps. Uh, watched, uh, Return of the Living Dead. Nice. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I still can't get her to see American Wealth in London. Um, but, uh, because Wilfred Brimley passed away, I was actually able to use that <laughs> to convince her to see, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. All right. <laughs> and uh, I knew it was going to be risky and I knew that there was probably a chance that she wasn't going to like it, but she did. <laughs> Even with all the gruesome effects in it. And I think that she was actually impressed with the effects because they were practical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but even still, I was like, I was going into expecting her to, to be like, uh no no that was uh <laughs> that was gross but no she she liked this so. wow yeah no after after showing my mom Texas Chainsaw Massacre I can't talk her into to, to trying new movies uh-huh. so <laughs> but uh, so yeah I was like I was really I was really happy that you that you like Tombstone because I think it's I know you know, obviously it's not just me lots of people think it's a fantastic movie but mm-hmm. I absolutely love that movie from beginning to end I love the way. It ramps up. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the last, what, 20, 30 minutes of the movie is, it's not straight action, but it's, it's just like, it's one just like adrenaline scene to the next, but not just like a fast and furious, you know, it's, it's still driving that story along, but it's this, this, uh, really kind of emotional, like action, you yeah, know, scene yeah. that you're going through. Like everything is swelling and increasing as it goes. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, me seeing this for the first time, I liked everything about the movie. Uh, I thought the writing was incredible. I thought it was very well written. The dialogue was spot on. The acting was perfect. It was well cast. And the cinematography was beautiful. There are beautiful shots in that movie. Yeah. I mean, they do things with the sky, and it's not like special effects. They're just like, oh, this is a good time of day to take this shot, and they fucking do it, and it's great. Oh, yeah. 
And even the, even the soundtrack, I mean, typically I don't go in for, like, Western soundtracks, but, like, it was a very suiting soundtrack. And, I mean, I could I could see, like, downloading that and listening through that again. It is good, yeah. There, I will say that, uh, and it's not a drawback at all, but there are a lot, a lot, especially near the end, there are a lot of sunset scenes, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it's, it's it would maybe more of, like, an homage to Westerns. You know, the whole riding into the sunset. Yeah. But in this yeah. case, they were actually riding against the sunset, but there's a lot of just really beautiful sunset scenes. And I, I think when you're filming a movie, if you have, especially if you're filming out there yeah. in like yeah. a, in an area like that, uh, that you're going to have those and you can't really, you can't really pass it up. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's, it, it's like, a. It's like a, a female. I don't want to see female. It's not sexist. <laughs> but I was saying it, it's, it's like it's like a like a like a college kid in like a, in his first photography class. He can't pass an empty swing set without taking a picture. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but yeah, no, like there was that one scene uh, at the ranch um, after after the actress's carriage leaves and the sky is just like pink. Yes, all the way across. And oh my god, that's just beautiful. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, they, they do a really good job of setting it up, um, just building up the story, the, the, the characters and getting the setting there. Um, you know, obviously with a movie like this, you're always going to have the, the story is always going to direct you to what it wants you to, how it wants you to feel. So mm-hmm. pretty much from the start, we don't like, uh, White Herb's wife. You know, yeah, we never yeah. see a good side of her. All we see is her from like, burgeoning junkie to full-on junkie yep <laughs> and then and they close her story off by saying she died a junkie's death yep. i mean that's that's pretty much what it is yeah, uh, yeah. and so, there's like there's no real sympathy given for it no like at all uh so uh, but you uh you know then they start the same thing they start off with um with uh the cowboys just being like these guys are just just awful uh i think it's interesting that then the opening scene where we were, we're introduced to the, to the cowboys and they kill everybody at the church right after the wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they killed the, the groom and then a couple of them drag the bride, the newlywed and off into the church. Yep. Yep. And you don't see what goes on and not everybody, you know, goes into the church. The other ones could sit down there and, you know, eat the food, but you, do you see that apparently it doesn't bother them? The only person that bothers is McMaster's. Yeah. But of course, you know, that's, that's again, the, the direction, the storytelling to say that, you know, here's a guy that's not fully on board. So when he turns later, yeah, you know, yeah. that it, it, you know, it, you, it's, it's not out of the blue. Yeah. It's all good character development. Like all the characters have good character development. And whether that is like a character having a change of heart, which we do see with McMaster's and we see, with with Wyatt, you know, he starts off wanting to basically take this pacifist route and say, you know, I just want to settle down. I want to get a job and get a family. And then he changes to, okay, now now it's the day of reckoning. Now yeah. shit's getting real. So you have that kind of character development, but you also have characters who just more cement themselves in their archetype. So you have Ike, who is a coward, and he just increasingly ramps up his cowardice. I until he dies a, a coward's death. He is such a piece of shit. Oh, he's such a <laughs> fucking cuck. Oh my god. <laughs> the, the, with the exception, <laughs> with the exception of, of the, the gunfight at OK, which is all Doc Holliday's fault. Yep. That's all Doc Holliday. <laughs> Everything else is all Ike's fault. You know, pretty much. He's the one that pretty much starts it off. He's the one that keeps it going. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how to shut his mouth. You know, uh, and that's the whole problem is that Ike is that guy who, you know, yeah, you'll, you'll narrowly escape getting into a big fight and then it'll be like, yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Right. It's like, that, that's, that doesn't help. <laughs> that, that makes literally everybody angry now. <laughs> your, your first real introduction to Ike is at the, uh, at the Pharaoh table when he's like, good. Cause law don't go around here. Mm-hmm. And he goes, cause law don't, it's like, and he's getting in his face. It's like, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, we we see exactly who you are. So, like, so you are just that asshole. Yeah. But yeah, and so like I I, and I like that. I like that different characters have different types of character development. We've talked about this in other podcasts just because we're both enthusiasts for these types of stories that like there is those two types of character development. A character either has to change or they have to cement themselves further in those roles. And just like with Doc Holliday, his whole thing from the word go is commitment. 
to Wyatt. He is his friend. He has that loyalty, this undying loyalty. And that does nothing but grow stronger. It doesn't say stagnant. It goes stronger and stronger and stronger until the very last moment. And it's just, it's handled so, so well. You know, that's something we're going to have to talk about near the end is, is Doc and his, his character development, the writing of him and his relationship to Wyatt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we, that could cover an entire podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. There, there are, there are little things in there, uh, the movie, which I think is, is a great, I, not a lot of movies can really pull it off well. Uh, this one I think does. And it's where you just use little things to kind of tell the story or, or to, to tell like character's motivation. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about this when we were watching it or kind of mentioned it when we were watching it. And we'll talk about it, you know, a little bit later on. Yeah. But it's, it's the, the little things that Doc Holliday says that really cements his character and really he says a sentence and it fleshes out this, it just kind of develops a whole part of who he is and his character. Yeah. yeah. It, it says so much with so few words. Right. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of movie writing, and I mean, this is kind of the way I write with my comics, so I can't really criticize it, but a lot of movie writing really tends to spell things out. And, like, uh, the example that's coming to my mind is when they introduce Han Solo in Star Wars. And so they're like, oh yeah, he's this famous smuggler. He did the Kessel Run in, in 15 parsecs or whatever. That, that whole well, thing, 12 parsecs, okay, it's been a long ass time since I've seen 12, Star Wars. I don't know. So, um, I think the 15 parsecs is a Duck Dodgers reference, so that's where <laughs> my mind is. But, uh, but like, you know, they kind of spell all this stuff out of like, yeah, here's what you need to know about this character. Here's, here's gonna spell out his archetype. And so it kind of spells out in a few sentences what you need to expect out of that character. And you don't really see that with Tombstone. It's just that this character appears, you see them in action for a couple minutes, and that tells you everything. And then, you get this one sentence statement from them and it's like, oh wow. <laughs> that tells me a lot about his history that I never would have suspected. It's yeah. it's really, really well done. And you know, they do the same thing with uh and I want to call him his opposite because he's not his opposite. He's 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 more of like the um I, I guess you could even maybe even call him like the basket case twin brother <laughs> to to Doc Holiday, which is Johnny Ringo. Oh yeah. Um I think that uh I think the, the only difference between Ringo and Holiday is Ringo was born with that emptiness inside of him. Yep. As where Doc's developed over time as, you know, uh, so <laughs> his rotted out of his lung. Right. So it's, you oh, know, that's uh, callous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but I, 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 that's really, I mean, it may sound callous, but it's really what I was kind of going to. If I remember correctly, Doc Holiday was a dentist. Developed mm-hmm. tuberculosis, moved out to the West, and then became this gunslinger. So as he had to abandon the life that he had, because, you know, there's, a, there's the whole thing where he says that Ringo is an educated man like him. They speak Latin. He plays the piano and all that stuff. So here's an educated man who basically almost, in a sense, devolves into this uneducated Wild West gunslinger. Mm-hmm. And that's his life now, what it wasn't supposed to be. And so he ends up becoming more of a Johnny Ringo's where Ringo was born this way. He's slowly developing that because of, you know, riding out of his lung yeah, and having yeah. to abandon because, you know, a lot of people didn't want to be around, you know, you know, people with tuberculosis, you know, lungers. Uh, and, uh, and so he, he left everything that he had, you know, growing up or that he had built, he had to leave behind because of this. And so it's like I said, so they're not, they're not, opposite of each other it's just more of like him developing in it and when he says early on when they meet and they're again you're talking about just these little these little things that are just done and said we have no idea what they say in latin mm-hmm. you know yeah, that whole yeah. that whole exchange between ringo and holiday in latin we have no idea what they say but he says to him he's like you know something about him i don't like is around the eyes reminds me of me and he goes you know, now I'm sure I hate him. Yep. You know, yep. And, and, and I don't know if he's saying I hate him because because of who he is or if I hate you know, like because he reminds me of me in a sense that it reminds me of me or who I'm becoming. Right. And, right. you know, so it's never it's, it's never really quite explained. But I think you can kind of look at it and be like, yeah, it's, uh, you know, this he he's more he's more of like two stages away. From yeah, where Doc yeah. Holiday is now. And the thing is, 
Doc can't stop himself from becoming that person. Mm-hmm. The only thing that stops Doc from becoming that person is Wyatt. Yep. yep. Which is what he says at the end. You're the only person who ever gave me hope. Yep. Um, because even when he says, when the, the, the doctor comes to, uh, Doc and says, uh, you know, you gotta quit doing this and this and this and no more sex. And then Big Nose Kate is, uh, is seducing <laughs> him. And, uh, if you ever look up a picture of the actual Big Nose Kate, she lives up to her name. Huh. Yeah. Um, but she's seducing him and he gives in. Because he says, you know, I think we need to reevaluate, you know, our relationship. Yep. He gives in. So he's not capable of, of stopping himself from becoming Johnny Ringo. He knows that. Yeah. yeah. And the only thing that, that does stop him is Wyatt, which, you know, as the movie goes, you know, that's really the thing that, that I think keeps him connected to Wyatt is because they're friends and because he makes him feel like he can, um, that he can be more. So Wyatt is this, this ideal of, you know, morality and justice and he feels like you know that he can be that that too right by hanging around with him and people respect doc when he's around wyatt in a way they don't respect him when he's by himself when he's by himself they fear him when he's with wyatt they respect him yep yep absolutely uh and then you've got uh you know you've got morgan and uh and virgil i will say that the two of them are the ones that are fleshed out the least yeah especially morgan yeah, yeah. Uh, Which I guess is kind of to be expected, given what happens. But, right. Um, yeah, I guess, spoiler warning, people. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't caught on yet. But I, I think it's, it's, uh, there's, this, there's something about about uh, about Wyatt in the in the movie. Again, we're just talking about how they, they're portrayed in the movie, not actually historical, you know, Wyatt or... Mm-hmm. But... There's there's a lot that's on that's on his shoulders, and a lot that he has to bear. Uh, again, it's not really like tossed out there as exposition, but you when you see them all together, and Virgil even says, um, you know, is it, is it Virgil or is it um, was it Morgan? I think it's Virgil that says, you know, thank you for this Wyatt for bringing them all together. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously Virgil's the oldest brother. Mm-hmm. He also was a lawman. Uh, Wyatt is the one that became famous for everything he did in Dodge City. And then Virgil has never been, a, I mean, Morgan's never been a lawman and he's following. So you've got the younger brother following his older brother, not his oldest, his older brother. And then the oldest brother following his middle brother. Yep. You know, and <laughs> so, and that puts a lot on him because, you know, you've got the young one, of course, you would expect to look up to you, but then you've got your older brother. Also, kind of following your footsteps, looking up to you, and when Virgil goes and signs up and becomes a sheriff, and he says, "You know, what you, you know, what did you expect me to do?" And, and it's almost like you set this precedent when you first became a lawman, mm-hmm. and now people expect the Earps to be lawmen. Yep, yep. You know, um, and then of course, you know, Mer- uh, Morgan falls in line, and and then of course. You know why it's there. Again, spoilers. Um, <laughs> when uh, when Morgan is killed, and Wyatt steps out there and in the rain, and he's got Morgan's blood on his hands, and he and basically that scene is he's looking at everybody, he's looking at them like you know he was the last one to 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 become a lawman. He just said you know you better swear me in because he knew what they were going up against. Yep, and he knew they were going to need his help. But after Morgan's killed, he's out there in the rain with the blow in his hands. And he's like, this is my fault. This is my fault because of what I did in Dodge City. Mm-hmm. Everybody kept coming to us, expecting us to help with this situation. And they felt it was their responsibility trying to live up to me. Yep. Yep. And so in a sense, I got them killed. It's because he set that precedent. Right. And it's, it's kind of just like the hero's curse that like you did this once. Now everybody's going to expect you to do it forever. Like, oh, you, you know, you slayed the dragon over here. Why can't you do it here, too? Right. And so, yeah, it's just like, it's that's kind of the burden that was set on him. And you see that at the very beginning that, like, you know, he meets the law of the town. He meets the marshal. He meets the sheriff. And so he's got it in his mind. Why can't they do their fucking job? Right. <laughs> and everybody that comes up to him is, 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 is starts off with, like, 
Wyatt Earp, you're it. He's like, no, I'm not interested. And then, <laughs> and you can tell that's what they're going for because they tried to say something again. He's like, I'm not interested. Yep, you know, yep. that's all they want him for is we want your help. But again, like you said, no one trying to do anything to really to help out. Now, you know, they describe the Cowboys as being like, you know, hundreds strong. So, you know, a couple of them isn't going to do much. So I can see why some of the other, sh- the, uh, the sheriffs would, wouldn't do anything. It's like, I'm going to let them kind of run the town because I'm one man and nobody really wants this job. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but then you, you know, you've got someone with a reputation like Wyatt Earp and he's got his brothers with him. And then of course, Doc Holly just happens to show up there. <laughs> <laughs> but, this uh, beautiful chaos factor. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Jason Priestley's character, Billy, uh, who they, you know, and they, they even make a, a reference to him later on when he kind of, you know, he doesn't turn on Wyatt because you know, ever seen where he's a friendly with him, but he, you know, he kind of, uh, doesn't show him any respect. And he, and he says, you know, all they ever did was make fun of him, mm-hmm. you know? And so why would you, you know, why, why would he take their side in all this when all they ever did was make fun of him? But then there's that scene where he turns, um, and what I, I liked about that scene again, it's just a little subtle thing is when they're there, they're that the, um, the actor's, uh, carriage mm-hmm. and Billy Zane's been killed. And, you know, um, Dan Delaney's, you know, her character is, is crying and Billy reaches in and grabs his hand and, you know, and holds it. And you, there's that moment where she looks and she's like, you actually did care. Yeah. Like out of everybody, you really did care. Yeah. And again, it's just, it's a, it's a quick moment where they just, she looks when he does that. And you can see that, you know, he's, that she recognizes him as being different than all the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there, there's a lot of moments, like little moments like that, uh, that really kind of, and I, I like the fact that they don't really like, they don't focus on them very long. They're not trying to really drive it home. Yeah. You, you either see it and you recognize it or you don't. Right. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think that, I mean, anybody who's really paying attention to the movie would have to see it, you know? I mean, like, it's it's done so well that even though it's not heavy-handed, it's still very clear. And, you know, we're talking about Johnny Ringo. Uh, every All of his dialogue is very... Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's, <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> it is. It, that's a good word. It's dangerous because he, he puts him... He, everything he says... It's very dark. It's very heavy. It's it's got such a weight to it, and it's it's also it's loaded. It's it, everything he says is him looking for a fight, looking for a reason to inflict pain. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which I think is interesting when we get to the end, where and it's not it's not a cop out, but when he's like, you know, I don't want to fight you, you know, Doc. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's like, my fight's not with you. It almost seems like he's like, it's a little bit of cowardice. Um, almost like, like he, like he, like he's afraid he can't beat him. But you know, as we talked about just a minute ago, it was like from our perspective, they're almost one and the same. So yeah, they're yeah. kind of equally matched. The only thing that Doc has that he doesn't is hope. Yeah. And you know, and so, and I'm not going to say that's what gives Doc the advantage. I think what really gives Doc the advantage in that particular um in that shootout is that he has a he has something that he's trying to live up to mm-hmm. and yeah he has something to fight for right and as where uh uh not crap i can't believe i just dropped his name uh forget his name uh Ringo, yeah, or? Johnny Ringo, right? <laughs> Where Ringo, he he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't really have anything to fight for per se. He's just, uh, he's just trying to trying to fill that void. It's just here's another, uh, and I, I say fill that void, but really it's a, uh, it's it's a, it's never anything. No matter how much he does, he's never going to, um, it's it's not going to touch it. You know, yeah, he, he's yeah. just he's just tossing, you know, pennies down a well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um. So I think I think I said you know with the exception of Morgan I think most characters are, are fleshed out fairly well. You know we don't need to give a lot to the Cowboys. McMaster's small scenes aren't aren't great. He's not, he's not fleshed out a, a lot, but it's enough to be able to to really feel uh, feel for his character, mm-hmm. or see uh, who his character is, 
So you understand like his different motivations as they move along. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's interesting because he doesn't have a lot of screen time, but you can tell he is somebody with principle. He just fell in with the wrong crowd. Right. And once he realizes, oh, this crowd is going way over my personal line, then he backs off and says, no, no, you know, I'm fine with pillaging and stealing, but when you start targeting women, fuck that and fuck you guys. Right. And he sticks by that. And so, like, yeah, for, for having very little screen time, it tells us so much about his character. Yeah. And uh, uh, Turkey Creek um, and uh, was the other guy's name, Jack. You really, yeah. you you get them other than them being friends of Wyatt's. You get an, an idea like they're the good guys in that opening that that introduction of them with the the shootout at the bar where the guy sending out the bar and Creek says to him he's like you know don't do it I don't want to sh- I don't want to shoot you mm-hmm. and he lifts up his arm anyway and he shoots him he's like so it was you know he he says I don't want to shoot you so that kind yep. of, you you you're already kind of setting them up to be. The, you know, a good guy. And of course, he's like, oh, hey, we're friends with Wyatt, just yeah. like everybody else. And and it's also in that scene where the marshals, like, you know, turn your guns in for evidence. And he's like, yeah, it's always law and order with us. So yeah. it's he, like, it's it's such little amounts of dialogue that tells you so much about the characters. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And, you know, Wyatt is just, he, he's, he's great. He's, uh, the only thing I would say that I don't like about the movie and, and this is one of the things where it's too much subtlety mm-hmm. is that they don't say enough about Wyatt's relationship with the actress, mm-hmm. except when his interactions with his wife to make it see, and, and with the, the sheriff BM, uh, where it, it alludes to the fact that they've done a lot more than just go horseback riding a few times. Right, right. But you don't really see that. You don't see them kind of going off together in a room or him even meeting up with her at different occasions. Yeah. It, it's, it, it almost kind of sets it up. If you didn't have those other moments where these characters saying, you know, or alluding to the fact that you've done more with her, right, it would almost seem right. like they're, like they're, there's a, a a longing to to be with each other, but they're not. But they haven't crossed that boundary. Mm-hmm. But then when you when you get those those interactions with the other people, it's like, oh, you guys have crossed that boundary hundreds of times. Right, right. But in Wyatt's defense, though, he does say early on when when a Doc is trying to tempt him that you know he's like you know I he goes I try to be uh, you know a moral you know, moral guy. Yeah. He doesn't say he is. He says I try to be. Yep. Um. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, like you know, you know, Doc. Uh, I mean, uh, Doc Wyatt just really kind of pushes the movie. Um, uh, I mentioned in the movie uh, early when we were watching it that one scene with Wyatt, which is one of my favorite scenes. Um, well, you know, there's the the one where he says, you know, I guess you got to swear me in, and then he goes to the house and he gets his jacket, his long duster, mm-hmm. right? Which is, uh, you know, which which is that 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 moment where he's like. You know, he's, he's, you know, it's like, well, we, he's already been sworn in, but he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going back to work, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then he pulls the guns out. And I, I know you and I have talked about this. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on a podcast, but I'm a big fan in movies of like the whole scene where the hero is gearing up. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's really popularized these days with like those quick cuts as it zooms in on whatever equipment they're strapping in. Right. But, you know, any, anything like that, any time where you see the hero, like, um, what, what really made me a fan of these types of scenes is in the two towers during the Battle of Helm's Deep when they're starting to get ready and you see Aragorn, like, starting to put on the chainmail and he's, like, strapping on his longsword and he's strapping on the elven dagger and all that. And it's like, it's so fucking cool. And it's like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's about to get on here. And so, like, that's, that scene where he's grabbing the jacket, that's your way of knowing, yeah, it's on now. Right. Think, things, shit's about to get real. And I love that. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's not, he's not, he's not just putting on a show. He's like, yeah, I'm ready to do war. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, Wallcrawler and I are actually going to be doing a, doing a podcast, uh, talking about our, our favorite moments from, uh, Dark Knight Returns. Oh, nice. And the only reason I mention that is because, uh, there's a, there's a, it's probably one of my favorite scenes. It's, it's in the top five favorite scenes. And, you know, Dark Knight Returns has a lot of great scenes in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but this is probably in my top five favorite scenes in Dark Knight Returns, which is, uh, early on when Alfred is talking to Bruce and he says to him, Master Bruce, whatever happened to your mustache? Yep. And yep. he reaches up and he touches his upper lip 
and he shaved off his mustache, but he was completely unaware of it. Yeah, yeah. And because he had already knew he was going back to work, even though he hadn't made up his mind, he knew he was going back to work. And that's that, that to me, that's like a very similar scene to putting mm-hmm. on the jacket. It's like, yeah, I, I haven't even decided that I haven't said, you know, consciously that I'm going back to work, but subconsciously I've already made that decision. Yep. And I shaved off my mustache and that's, and that's a beautiful scene. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, is it, in a similar vein, there's so many good action shots and so many good, like, ready-for-action shots in the movie. And I talked about that a lot while we were watching it. That you'll just have these moments where the camera, like, pans across to everybody's, like, face as they're walking down the street. Yeah. And it just, it, it conveys the same thing of, like, get ready, because this shit's about to get heavy. And it's, it's, it's handled so well. And it seems very tropey and very campy these days when you see that in movies but here it's handled very gracefully i think and it's it's played very straight there's a really good scene when they're actually going to the okay corral battle uh or going to the okay corral right before the gunfight mm-hmm. and as you're walking down the street which is really kind of interesting they they walk down the street and they're like they're walking to get to this and the the you know, the people on the street are all watching and the tension's slowly building. You got mm. the little bastard kid that runs out there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's slowly building. But then as they get closer, there's that, that, uh, that, uh, uh, frame, the, uh, just the wooden frame of the house apparently that's being built mm-hmm. that's on fire. You don't know if it's just a random fire. You shouldn't have a random fire in the old west like right. that. <laughs> I, I, I like to believe that the, um, Hold that the cow, Margaret, it's another desert fire. <laughs> I like to believe that the that the cowboys set the building on fire. Oh yeah, yeah, that was my assumption. But because of that, though, you then have that scene, which I mean, it's obviously a setup, but you have that scene with them walking with that with that fire in the background. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it's, but they kind of set it up to be like, okay, because you see the guys putting out the fire, and it's just like just a little bit further down the block from where the OK Corral is. So it's this nice like uh, frame scene. It's it's Kind of powerful. Uh, is kind of leading up to the action, but they give you just a little bit of context behind. It's not just a random fire. It's this thing you see people actively trying to put it out. So yep. you kind of fill in these gaps. But then you get there, and uh, and I told you there uh, when we're watching it that my one of my favorite moments is right before the gunfight starts. Wyatt has that that line. He goes, "What does he say?" Like, uh, oh. God. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like he looks and you can see like the, the look on their face. And uh, he's like, he knows that this is not, this is moved from a standoff to a gunfight. Yep. And, and so, uh, so I think, I think that though is, is a great transition to Doc Holliday. To Doc Holliday. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because that moment was totally Doc Holliday's fault. <laughs> that was all his fault. <laughs> No, Doc Holliday is far and away the best character in the film. God, he 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 rules that movie. Uh, like even from his opening scene, he just immediately steals the show and he keeps it the entire movie. Yeah, God, I mean, I love that character. What I love about that opening scene is when he's talking to the guy and you know the guy's accusing him of cheating, and he's like, he he. he 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 dominates that scene, but also he he takes hold of the guy mm-hmm. and just and just just keeps him right where he wants him because he says and it's a very intimidating scene, but he doesn't have to do anything flashy. He just kind of leans back and then just just rubs the, the, the hilt of his gun with his finger, just kind of taps it. And is like, yep. are we cross? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's not threatening him, but at the same time, he's kind of threatening him. Yeah, a little yeah. bit, a little bit. <laughs> It's, it's like that Star Trek episode where it's like, oh, I'm sure there's lots of information you can tell me. You're right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, no, it's not a threat. But hell yeah, it's a threat. <laughs> and then he takes the guns and he says, he's like, okay, now we can. Because he's like, if we weren't friends, I don't think I could bear it. <laughs> and then he puts the guns on the table and he's like, now we can be friends again. But it's like, yeah, I, I'm like, I know who you are. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're still threatening me. Not only that, but you're making me feel small. <laughs> <laughs> you're emasculating me on top of threatening me. Uh, one of the things I love about Doc Holliday is that you get to see displays of his skill, but you never see him at his full potential. There's no point in the movie where it's like, this is him at 100%. So, an interesting thing is we're talking about, like, all the little things that Doc says, but Wyatt says a scene, says something... 
early on that really kind of establishes Doc as being such a threat, other than other than the, the thing with the cup. Mm-hmm. God, I love that scene. <laughs> which is when right before, when they're about to go to the OK Corral, Wyatt says to Virgil, "Give Doc the shotgun." Mm-hmm. Because they'll be less threatened if they see him with that than if they saw him with, you know, with a six shooter in his hand. Yep. You know, he's <laughs> like with the six shooter. So it's like with a six shooter, you know, he's really deadly. With the double barrel shotgun, yes, he'll probably fire off a couple rounds, but then, or two rounds, but then he'll have to reload. Yep. Uh, and then when, then of course, we get to see exactly why. Well, you, you said we don't really get to see him at, at his best. But I think that scene when he shoots Thomas Hayden Church at the OK crowd where he just fans that gun and he yeah, hits him with every okay. shot. I mean, <laughs> OK, yeah, that's that's pretty tight. He is dancing and falling and he's still just lighting him up. That's <laughs> it's so beautiful. That was beautiful. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do love the cup scene, which I mean, anybody who's seen the movie knows what we're talking about. If you haven't seen the movie, then why the hell are you listening to this? Watch the movie first. You dingus. Yeah. Or <laughs> oh, go home and listen to some Frederick's fucking Chopin. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, you've got you've got Ringo like clearly threatening him and he starts spinning and twirling his gun and he's like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna make a big display of my skills. And Doc is drunk off his ass at this point. Totally hammered. He's been awake for like thirty six hours. And so rather than you know, trying to pull his guns and trying to escalate the situation, he just starts twirling the teacup and doing the same stunts and stuff with the cup. And that says so much of like, dude, I can't even walk in a fucking straight line and I'm about to outperform you. Which, of course, brings us to that one great line. And it's like when Thomas Hayden Church says, you're so drunk, you're probably seeing double. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's okay. I got two guns, one for each of you. The beautiful thing about that scene is he's got the gun. He's got a gun in one hand. He's got his cup in the other. He takes a sip and then pulls the other gun. Is still holding the cup in his hand. Spill the drop. <laughs> He's got the, a gun in one hand and a gun in the cup in the other. <laughs> and he draws that gun out smooth as butter. Too. Oh yeah, like he's not like jerking it out of the holster. It just slides right out. <laughs> Yeah, he's, uh, it's, it, it's the little things that he does. I mean, we both got a kick out of his scene with Billy Bob Thornton early on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm sorry. I forgot you were there. <laughs> you may go. <laughs> uh, but he, he says all these, these little things. Um, again, one of my, like two of my favorite lines of his, uh, then the, you know, then the ones that, you know, are probably people's, you know, favorite lines, um, is, uh, is when he's uh when Doc, when Wyatt Earp says to him is like, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, why are you here, Doc? You know, this ain't your fight. And Doc says, you know, that is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I, that, <laughs> God, that is that is such an awesome line. That it's, gave me goosebumps when I heard it. <laughs> it's 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 like, you're my friend. Why would I be anywhere else? Mm-hmm. You know, and why would you assume I'd be anywhere else? Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I think that was the moment that I realized Doc Holliday is basically Sam Gamgee. He is defined by his unwavering loyalty to his friend, and that's basically where his amazing badassery comes from. Right. It's just a, there's, and that goes exactly back to what we were talking about. With so much is said, with such little dialogue, that one sentence tells so much of a story. That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then when uh, when he's like, you know. You know, you know, why, you know, why are you doing this? He's like, you know, you know, why was my friend? He goes, well, I got a lot of friends. He goes, I don't. Yep. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, the doc, why it's the only guy that's ever stuck around long enough or put up with his stuff. You know, like when Morgan gets offended with what, uh, with what Wyatt's uh, doc says about, uh, uh, about Wyatt's wife. And he's like, no, you know, don't mind him, you know, Morgan. That's just his way. Yep. You know, it's yep. like most people would, you know, get offense maybe try to start a fight or just walk away. But, but no, you know why it's like, that's just his way. That's just doc. You know, he doesn't mean anything by it. You know, I know, you know, I know that doc's not like these cowboys and like Ringo. He comes from a different place mm-hmm. and this is just who he's become, you know, but I know that it, it, they, deep inside, that's not the man he is. Yep. And so I, I say there, there's, there's a little, the subtleties there between the two of them. And of course, you know, in the end, when he's like, you know, my hypocrisy, you know, knows no bounds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and I, I like that he 
he tells Wyatt, you know, because he knows Wyatt says to him, he's like, I can't beat him, can I? And he's like, no, you can't. You know, <laughs> if you go up on that hill, you're going up there to die. Yep. yep. And and he's like, and, and, you know, you find out, you know, he doesn't, you know, he's like, but, and Doc's like, you know, it's like, it, you know, he's like, I couldn't do that. I couldn't let you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's, uh, Doc, Doc is just a, he's, he's just a badass character. He's just, and he's so well, and the thing is, when I say badass, it's not that he's just all just, you know, he just shows him just these badass things. Yeah. Like there, there's, there's not badass more like to Lobo. him. He's like badass in a whole different way. <laughs> you know, and another thing, when he says goodbye to Kate, and uh and the thing is he like he knows what their relationship is the whole time. Mm-hmm. She knows it too, but it almost as if she's kind of thinking that she has him fooled into thinking that she loves him. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, Do you have anything to say to me? And he goes, Oh, I guess not. Yep. Okay. And he's like, Do you have anything to say to me, you know, before I leave that's gonna either make me stay, which I'm not gonna stay. You right, know that. Right. But at least maybe make me come back. And she and she doesn't say anything. It's like Calculate not. Yeah, it's like okay, I, I, you know, I didn't think I was wrong, but I, I gave you a chance, and there you go. Yeah, because again, when the doc says, you know, you could have up to two years uh, on your life if you cut these things out. What's the first thing she does? She just jumps his bones, right? You know, it's like so you you really don't care about me or my well being. You just care about you know what I can give you, or what you can get from me mm-hmm. as we're we're doing this stuff. So, yeah, yeah, that that does a really good job of establishing that she's kind of a terrible person. Yeah, but yeah, he he suffers no delusions about that. He knows that she's a terrible person, so he doesn't lose any sleep over it. Um. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, like. Again, we're, we're, we're talking about the, I, I feel like I have to keep saying that we're talking about the, how they portrayed, portrayed in the movie, not the actual, like, people, because I don't know how, yeah. what Doc Holliday really was like. Although um, I'm interested in reading about him now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, I, he, he's, he, he just, he has limited, limited things to say. And, uh, and he's just a straight up badass. I'm just wondering how the guy, like I believe he's a dentist. How did a dentist become such a badass gunfighter? Right. You know? <laughs> While dealing with tuberculosis at the same time. Like I, you know. God, can you imagine how terrifying you would have been if he didn't have tuberculosis? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting because I remember reading somewhere, maybe this is totally wrong because I read a lot of shit. But I seem to remember reading somewhere that back in the day, dentists were somewhat celebrity because they would just like do their dentist work in front of a, a crowd because people didn't see that kind of stuff before. Hmm. So it's like, oh, yeah, you, you never seen a man get his tooth pulled out of his head? Well, <laughs> I know back buckle in the, the fuck up, kiddies. <laughs> I know back in the, uh, you know, like the, I guess, the uh, 17, 1800s or that, um, braces were considered a status symbol hmm. because not everybody could afford it yeah yeah you know so even though probably braces back then was like massive headgear you know <laughs> but but hey you could afford it so it's like that was like oh look at her <laughs> yeah it's like she she looks like a like anthony hawkins from silence of the lambs but she must be rich <laughs> uh and she's portly and she's got braces. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, just uh now all I need is just to just to know that uh that she she doesn't have like you know the black plague and I have the trifecta. <laughs> right, but I'll I'll say the final thing I'll say about uh about Doc Holiday is that he's he's written well enough to to say that he's not this kind of one note badass character. Um, that, uh, you know, just does some fancy shooting, says he's like these snappy one liners mm-hmm. and then goes up. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of heart and depth behind like just about everything he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is, uh, which is, which is, which is pretty nice. Um, and I, I like how he, in some ways he tries to, um, he tries to like tempt Doc Holiday. And I think he, I'm not to tempt Wyatt Earp. And I think he does that. Does that to because he he knows that Wyatt can't be tempted, and he likes to see that resolve. Yeah, yeah. Because he because he teases him about the actress, and of <laughs> course he does give in into her. But I'm he also wrong, sir. You're an oak. <laughs> but he also knows that his wife is not you know 
is 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 not the right person for him. Yeah, yeah. But he likes to see that here's a guy, especially in the world that we're living in now, that can't be easily tempted. Yeah, you know? yeah. So again, it's it's the thing. It's like you know, you know, he gives me hope. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 I I I love the movie. I see it's been, and I'm not a Western guy. You know, I'm not right, a Western right. guy at all. Same. Um, and there's been, like I said, a, a few Westerns that I've seen that kind of changed my perspective. You know, the, um, the Long Riders was the first Western I saw that was like, Hey, I like this. And that was the only Western I liked. Hmm. Then came Young Guns 2. Oh yeah. Young Guns 2 was great. Then came Young Guns 1, which I know people are like, what? Yeah. yeah. Then came <laughs> Young Guns 1. Uh, then Tombstone. Then uh, Appaloosa. Hmm. 310 to Yuma. Appaloosa is beautiful. I love that movie. Viggo Mortensen and, uh, oh, well, I love Viggo Jeremy Irons, uh, and, uh, Ed Harris. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really good. So my, my Western started, slowly started to grow based upon that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but it, it took, it took quite a bit, but Tombstone, I said, was like the third movie. And that was the one that really, you know, that really kind of said, Hey, this is, um, you know, the westerns, the westerns are more than than what you, I guess, always thought they would be. With, hey, they're a pilgrim, you know that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm sorry, I'm oh, sorry, I'm getting a scar. <laughs> now there was bef- after the Long Riders, but before Young Guns Two, there was another movie that really changed my perspective of westerns and what westerns could be. And even though I don't own it, um, it is probably it ranks in my top five. Uh, Westerns of all time. It's a movie that probably most of you have never heard of and probably would never see, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you have the opportunity to watch it, you should. It's called The Terror of Tiny Town. Hmm. I've never heard of that. I, and I, I'm going to say this, you're going to you're going to think that I'm lying, and I absolutely am not lying. Uh, I, it used to be on Amazon. You might even be able, still be able to find it on Amazon. Hmm. Uh, uh Terror of Tiny Town is an all midget western, and he rides Shetland ponies. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> so yeah, what what really changed my perspective on westerns? Like uh, I've told you, like off mic, I I grew up in a house where a certain individual watched a lot of westerns, and they were shitty ones. And so I, I hated the genre growing up. It's just like this this is garbage. You know, it's, uh, most of the time it wasn't even, like, John Wayne-level garbage. It was, like, below that. So I, I, I hated the genre. But what really kind of turned me around on it was Django Unchained. Really? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that was the first time when I kind of realized it's like, oh, you know, the genre's not shit. <laughs> it's just, like, the particular selection here. And so that kind well, of opened me up to it. Well, now, Akomi, you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then from there, I wound up seeing um, the True Grit remake. And I hate the John Wayne version, but the remake is, like, so good. A friend bought that for my birthday years ago, um, and I still have not watched it. It's pretty good. I like it. I like what? it a lot. It's uh, Chris Schweitzer's favorite book. It's uh, it's it's funny because I've talked, I just went through this whole thing about how I've changed my perspective on, you know, <laughs> on those. But I still have not gotten around to, to watching 310 to Yuma. Um Hmm. I'm not I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, not three. Jimmy. Uh, True Grit. True Grit. Even though, even yeah. I do own it. Um, yep, yeah, that's that's a real good one. But uh, yeah, it's. I, I think they said like you were saying like there was always a shitty westerns, and then um, which was always uh, oh the Indians you know raided us those dirty savages let's go kill them <laughs> and you know and then that was it. But you know a, a western can be just like any modern movie. You just have to you know you just have to have to. You frame it right and, and write it correctly. Yeah, yeah. So they say. So yeah, good, good western. I do enjoy good western. It's still, I, I will equate a a good western to uh, to cottage cheese. I like eating cottage cheese with a little bit of salt and pepper. But that first bite, that first bite, I can I can get it. I can put it on my plate. But that very first bite, I I, I hesitate and I'm like, oh, and I put it in my mouth and I'm like, mm, oh, okay, yeah, this is good. I like this. You know? <laughs> But that, that first bite is always a struggle. So the oh. Western, a Western's like is like the same thing. It's like it's like yeah, I'll sit there and watch it. But for me to actually like put it in, like turn it on, or I'm like oh, I'm gonna watch a Western. And it's like okay, yeah, I'm watching a Western. It's it's fine. This is a good movie. What yeah. did you think of Hidalgo? I have not watched all of Hidalgo. Hmm. I liked I liked Hidalgo. Yeah. Which I mean, maybe that's just because I'm a Viggo Mortensen fanboy. But uh, I, I thought Hidalgo was pretty good. Yeah. 
I almost mentioned a movie just now as a Western. I was like, wait a minute, that's not a Western. I'm like, oh, technically it is. But then I was like, no, actually, no, it's not. Um, so I was like, okay. Um, what, it, what movie were you going to bring up? <laughs> uh, I've got to think of the title of it now. It's, um, it's a, it's actually a Bruce Willis movie. Um, <laughs> Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite Western, <laughs> Die Hard. <laughs> no, uh, I, I don't. I, do I own it? Um, uh, Last Man Standing. Oh, okay. It's a it's a Walter Hill movie, and it's got um, it's got Bruce Willis in it and uh, Christopher Walken. Uh, it's it's a pretty good movie, and it, there's a really great line in the movie where uh, I think it's Patrick Kilpatrick uh, is the actor because. Uh, Basically, the movie takes place during uh, Prohibition, mm-hmm. and it's in like New Mexico, and it's a uh, it's a reason I, I almost call it a western is because it's basically a really telling of the uh, was it the uh, the man with no name? Uh, I'm trying to think uh, which one it is. The um, fistful of dollars. Um, it's this the it's it's one of the Clint uh, Clint Eastwood westerns where the guy comes into town. There's a two warring factions, and he takes. And they hire one of them hires him because he's not affiliated with other from. But then the other yeah, one hires him. That's fistful of dollars okay. because that's a remake of Yojimbo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and Walter Hill actually had um, was it most uh, Kurosawa? Yeah, Kurosawa. Yeah, Kurosawa on the uh, on the set during part of the making of Last Man Standing because nice. he's like we're we're remaking fistful of dollars, but we're actually remaking right. this movie here. <laughs> Uh, but it's, it takes place in, in Prohibition and Bruce Willis comes in town. There's like a little altercation. His car gets damaged and he goes near to talk to the guy. And <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a, it's a badass line, right? But it's one of those, like, it's like, oh, it's like, obviously it's a, it's just a badass line. It's, you know, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just like, uh, yeah, any other movie where you like, uh, I live my life a quarter mile at a time kind of thing. You know, it's like, right. oh, it's, it's just supposed to be a really cool line. But, uh, Bruce Willis goes to uh, the guy and he's like, hey, you damaged my car. Um, you know, I'm going to need you to, to pay for the damages. And uh, he's guy says he's not going to do it. And, he, and um, he's like, uh, I guess you're just going to have to kill me. And Bruce Willis goes, it'll hurt if I do. <laughs> and then he pulls out his guns and shoots the guy. Nice. <laughs> but it's such a great line. But uh, that movie is a... Um, I've never in all the movies I've seen I've I don't think I've ever seen a guy get beat so badly than mm. in that movie and his face is like swollen it's it's oh, yeah. it's, it's horrible. But if, anyway if it's a remake of Yojimbo yeah there's there's a scene where um uh Toshiro Mifune's character just gets the ever loving shit beat out of him when when both sides of the gang factions realize that he's been playing them both and they they just yeah. go ham on him, and yeah, it's it's pretty much the same thing in Yojimbo. I still haven't seen Fistful of Dollars. I want to see all those uh, Clint Eastwood movies and uh, Magnificent Seven and all that. I still need to watch all of those. But Dirty uh, Dirty Dirty doesn't. Um, uh, hold on. Uh, is it Real Bravo? Real Bravo. No, it's hold on. It's a because uh, Stax and I watched. I had never seen it before, and Stax uh, showed it to me. Um, and uh and we watched at his house and I was like I was like, Yeah, that was really was good, but it wasn't real Bravo. It was um oh shit, what is that one? Cause it's te- technically not a Western, I guess, but it is a Western. Um shit, I can't think of the name of it now. It's 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 one of the famous ones. It's not real Bravo though. Hmm. Um and it's not Dirty Dozen, uh that's a war movie. It's um crap. No. <laughs> We've kind of straight off of uh, off tombstone, but anyway, <laughs> um yeah. But uh, but yeah, we also got an entire episode out of it. So. Wow, jeez, jeez, <laughs> I knew we would. I knew we would. <laughs> well, t- I just Tombstone was great. I said, I'm, I'm yeah. so glad that uh, that we got a chance to watch it. And, and you know, we end up doing this a lot. Generally, when we when we get together, I think you know, if you if you're if you follow the podcast, you know that you know we do warm ups. Uh, uh, just because this goes back to our um to our our let's play days, where mm-hmm. you know, just jumping straight into a let's play, uh. It, it, it would be kind of cold. Yeah, uh, we yeah. would normally end up because kind of doing something, rather watching a movie, you know, uh, just playing some other game before we actually start doing the let's play recordings, and then we start. We just had to kind of warm ourselves up, and uh, and we we generally will watch a movie or you know do something to kind of uh, to warm ourselves up before a podcast. 
and we've been watching these movies and I was like, you know, we should just do a, you know, this, like a little mini review and just kind of talk about it. Since we're watching them anyway, we might yeah. as well, you know, get something productive out of it. Yeah. So no, I had a lot of fun with this. I know this wasn't one of our funnier ones, but I think we made some pretty decent observations. I could see doing this with like any number of movies, honestly. Yeah. And yeah, the, the, uh, the, the thing with that is, uh, uh, Yes, obviously that we we try to be funny with them, but um, when we're speaking about something that we're very passionate about, mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad, uh, I, I I still I still think that, that comes across as a good episode. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe the people listening don't agree, but yeah. I think I think anytime somebody <laughs> speaks, <laughs> any anytime somebody talks about something that they that they have a very strong opinion about, again, good or bad, um. I've always find it interesting because they're not just they're not just blowing smoke. They yeah, really have something yeah. to say. Yeah, you can you can tell that it's like it is something that's coming from the heart rather than just oh I'm going to be boisterous because it's funny. Right. So yeah, but since since we've talked about some badass lines from these other movies, I think we can close this off with one of my favorite badass lines from Tombstone, which was one of Wyatt's lines. Surprisingly, not not one of Doc's lines. Really? But yeah, it's uh, it's his scene with Billy Bob Thornton, and it's like it's so <laughs> early in the movie, but it summarizes so good just what he's capable of. Even though he's playing the pacifist route, it's like I don't, you know, I'm choosing to be a pacifist. I don't have to be a pacifist. And it's when he's slapping the shit out of Billy Bob Thornton and he says, are you going to do something or are you going to stand there and bleed? Yeah. It's like, God damn, son. <laughs> that is, he goes, because you ain't even going heels. Like, I don't need to go heels to deal with a guy like you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I love that. And Mr. I'm getting really tired of your stuff. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, I think there's a lot of emasculation in this movie because he slaps him. He doesn't punch him. Mm-hmm. He slaps him. Then he slaps him again. <laughs> he slaps him a third time. It's like, you're a pussy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then what's he do? He goes and gets a shotgun. He's going to shoot him in the back until Doc steps up there. <laughs> and he's like, Doc, I, I didn't know you were in town. <laughs> I do like every time when when every time Doc challenged uh, Ringo, he would say, "I'll be your I'll be your huckle, Huckleberry." Yeah, <laughs> tongue tied. He's like, "I'm your Daisy. <laughs> I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> I'm your Huckleberry." <laughs> yeah. He's he's so foppish, but it's not at the expense of his masculinity, and that's great. <laughs> no, it's uh, you know, and you know, I even even another thing we didn't really talk about this. We didn't go into uh, Curly Bill too much, but when Curly Bill shoots uh shoots the uh the marshal mm-hmm. and uh and he realized because he, he's high and he realized what he's done and and he, you know he's generally upset like here's a guy that rides in the town does whatever he wants to but he kills this guy and he's like and all he's like i didn't mean to do that you know yeah i didn't mean to do that not because i have respect for the law or, or anything like that but i didn't mean to shoot you yeah you know yeah. it's uh now he doesn't really give it a second thought after that, and, and then just you know, but which I, which I think is also kind of funny. Really like you know, you know, let him go is like you know he's a cowboy. I'm like yeah, but maybe you can just go around shooting people. I, mean, right. I know you think it does, but <laughs> that's that's not what that means. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you know, Tombstone is excellent. I'm not sure whatever else we're gonna watch during our this recording session here, but. Um, I think if it warrants it, um, then we'll, uh, you know, we'll do something. Even if it's like maybe something small, it might be like, uh, oh, we watched the movie. It was horrible. Yeah. Like I, I could not see doing one on Machine Girl. I could. Really? Yeah. We'd have to watch it again though. We Cause, would. Cause we didn't, we didn't go all the way through it. No, we gave we, up. We had to stop. But yeah. I mean, I, what, what tells me that we could get an entire episode out of that was the scene where she deep fries her hand. I, was, and I knew that's what you were going to say. Yeah. And it comes out <laughs> looking like a long John Silver's crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, that alone tells me we could get an entire episode out of that. So, yeah. Nah, what, I wasn't there a scene where the, two guy, where the two guys were killed and their blood were flowing in, in opposite directions? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, I could, I could easily see doing Machine Girl. Oh. Uh. All right, so thanks all very much for uh, for checking out uh, our review of Tombstone. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it, you know, you definitely should watch it. Even even though we kind of gave you some spoilers, it doesn't. There's some movies like obviously I wouldn't you know tell you like the you know, 
the entire Toy Story, like the Sixth Sense, and be like, hey, but you should go and watch it. It's still a good movie, but, you know, there's, there's some impact that's lost on certain movies that, you know, that you need to, you need to have unspoiled for, you know, for yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. like, and- I, I, I think spoiling Fight Club, you can't really do that, but I think you could spoil Baby Driver and it wouldn't diminish the movie for people. Right. So it's, it's that kind of thing where right. you're not going to have a lesser experience knowing the basic gist of what happens. And if you paid any more attention in school than either of us did, you probably already know the gist of what happens because it's based off of history. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, uh, and like, you know, like you can't, um, yeah, you you can spoil movies like A Usual Suspects, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah it's like oh, you know, yeah, you can still enjoy it though, but I you don't want your first because I mean, that's a movie I've seen dozens of times, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, if I flip, I could be flipping through channels and come across it, and it's got five minutes left, and it'll draw me in just for those five minutes, you well, know. My, my last five minutes is tight, yo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, but you know, having seen it once. It's it's one that it, even though I know the full story, you know, uh, it it still pulls me and still hooks me all the time. So there's movies that you know that they're still good, they're still solid, they still get you, um, but you don't want your first time being spoiled. So right, right. and uh, old boy, you don't want that spoiled. <laughs> no, you don't want that spoiled. Um, yeah, but and this is one like I said we uh, uh, Tombstone. We're not really spoiling anything. You I mean, you. Everything we said, you know, you just still check it out. It's such a good movie and it's beautifully shot, um, uh, beautifully acted. It's got such a cast. Even even some of the people we talked about just, just have minor roles in it. Mm-hmm. And Charleston Heston has a minor role and he doesn't really do much. Um, Billy Bob Thornton has a minor role in it. Um, we didn't mention um, during the, during this. Well, we mentioned him by character, but but not by name. Right. Um, but uh, McMaster's. Um, uh, now I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, uh, the actor. Um, I'm drawing a blank too. I Don't can, draw a blank. I can IMDb him real quick. No, no, no. That defeats the whole purpose. We should know he's on the top of our skulls. <laughs> I've told you, I have facial blindness with actors. I had uh, no idea that was Billy Bob Thornton until you told me. Well, he's a lot heavier in that movie than you've known when you've seen it. Plus, he didn't like, you're like, I'm going to pull a smoke wagon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on. I reckon I can roast some doggies. <laughs> uh, give me a minute. I'll go pull his name out. Yeah, and I I don't know why I'm just drawing a blank on him right now. Uh, I just got so much other stuff going through my head. Hold on. I'm getting it pulled up don't, on the IMDb here. Don't do that. <laughs> don't give it away. Um, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> don't you do it. Hold on. I'm going to be that little kid whirling around. <laughs> Making it so I can't concentrate. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, jeez whiz. Um, hold on. What was the character? <laughs> McMasters. McMasters, McMasters. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I found him. <laughs> yeah, you should. Um, oh, crap. Yeah. Crappy, crappy. See, you have completely thrown me off with your with your garbage and your bullshit. <laughs> you, you want to rhymes with? No, give me initials. Mr. Uh, uh, hold on. Um, I got. I know his. I know his name. I just got to think of his. Um. Oh crap. Uh, Michael. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Crap. See what you've done to me, <laughs> jerkwad. Uh crap. He has face. Uh, uh what's his name? Michael Rooker. Damn it. <laughs> you, oh, I should punch you in the <laughs> jejunum. Uh, uh but anyway, so but yeah, Michael Rooker, who um yeah, I I've gotta meet Michael Rooker again because I made an ass out of myself when I when I met him last time. And the thing is I wasn't trying to um, I just, I kind of said the wrong things and I wasn't trying to, but, um, cause I, I like Michael Rooker. He's been in so many movies that, uh, that I've liked and, uh, and even just small things, you know, like, well, like this, like his role in this, um, his role in cliffhanger and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, Michael Rooker, he, I mean, he's got, you know, like I said, small role in this. Um, uh, we mentioned Billy Bob Thornton and we mentioned Charlton Heston 
Um, Jason Priestley's got a small role. You know, there's, there's so many just, they're just brief things. Like Billy Zane, Billy Zane's role is not very big at all. He has three scenes and none of them last long. I'm sorry. Um, four scenes and none of them last longer than five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. No, it is three. When they get off the stagecoach and she sees Wyatt Earp yep. and he makes a, he makes a comment about that. When he performs this as a uh, St. Crispin's Day speech. Yep. And, um, I see that one, uh, the the speech and then, um, when he shows up later, um, at the, at the bar after, after the theater and, uh, and Billy's like, come sit down with us. And he, he just has a little bit of interaction there. That's yep. it. The next time you see him, he's dead. Yep. Um, so if you count the, the scene where he's dead, then that's four scenes. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to count the scenes where he actually did some real acting because, hey, well, actually, I didn't play dead. I played unconscious. Yeah, but I mean, it's yeah. pretty much the same thing. Right? Yeah, big difference. Yeah. It's, it's not even in the same ballpark, man. It, it ain't no fucking ballpark, man. <laughs> <laughs> not even the same motherfucking game. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, definitely check the movie out, folks. And uh, hey, uh, check out some of our other podcasts. We're on Twitter and stuff. <laughs> Can I dox you again? <laughs> no. Uh, damn. For, I forgot about that. I still have to edit that podcast. <laughs> that was an accident, though. <laughs> it was a funny accident. Yeah, you didn't know that that was the email address I was using. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> uh. All right. I had the gain really low and I still clipped the mic. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, yeah, um, we're, you can listen to us pretty much anywhere that you listen to your podcasts at this point. I don't think there's a single venue that we aren't getting this podcast posted to. Yeah, uh, we are on, of course, you know, Unless our, it's some obscure ass stuff that nobody cares about. So. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, you know, our, our host site, uh, Anchor FM, and then we're also on Pandora. Um, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Castbox, Google Play, um, uh, Joey's Big Bad Podcast List. Um, which I'm actually, one? huh? Is that a real one? No. Okay. <laughs> but thanks for doing a joke, though. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, I was laughing like it was a joke, and I was like, oh shit, I might sound like an idiot because that could be real. <laughs> Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Joy's Big Bad Podcast. Let me tell you what I've been listening to this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but yeah. So, uh, anywhere you go to find podcasts, uh, you should find us there, and you should give us good reviews. You should, because we work hard. Damn it. Yeah, and we want nothing but positive validation and ass pats. So, yeah. And I, I am going to ask though, and I normally I'm normally not this specific this specific when I, I you know reaching out to our to our listeners, but um, the right cheek's been getting a lot of attention. It's actually getting a little sore. So if you could just <laughs> just just the left cheek, you know, just like like for every ass pat on the right, give me two on the left. Just gotta balance <laughs> things out, you know. All right. All so right. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Later, well, everybody. Well, bye. I knew you were going to do it. I was waiting on you to do it. I was giving you the opportunity. I was like, I'm going to set him up for it. I'm going to set him up for it. All right there, folks. That was Our Moms Think We're Funny. Let's, uh, let's give him a hand.